Hey there, Bill Shirk, the man about the woods for the Minnesota Historical Society. I have an idea for you. You need to visit the Forest History Center near Grand Rapids. You can learn about the history of Minnesota's great north woods and also the lumberjacks who lived and worked there. You can explore a recreated 1900s-era logging camp on the Mississippi River. You can also visit a 1930s forest ranger's cabin. You can climb the fire tower, walk the trails, and check out interactive exhibits about Minnesota's forests of yesterday and today. Learn more at mnhs.org slash forresthistorycenter. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Minnesota Bound podcast, the stories behind the stories. It is host chat day today on the Minnesota Bound podcast. Bill Shirk is hanging out in the room with me today. Bill, how are you? I'm great. I'm a little more relaxed than you are. Like you are got a lot of energy today. Packing and ready to roll. You've got big plans coming. I do have big plans coming up. I um Fourth of July holiday, of course, is coming up this weekend. So we are everybody's getting ready for some rest and relaxation. Lake time. Um, but Dan and I, Dan, my boyfriend, we are heading to Alaska. So I have have been packing for that trip for a few days now. There's like a list of things you need in Alaska, and it's going to be a little chilly there. So, all right. So, we'll everyone is wondering what does Laura share a pack? What she's... don't I pack <laughs> would be a better question, right? Are you clothes and all that stuff, or are you a gear rat? I mean, I, what do you, you know pack? what? Layers. So, this is, I think, when you spend time in the outdoors, you really learn. As a female, I'll speak on behalf of females. Maybe we we have a tendency to run a little colder. You know, like if it gets chilly out, it might get a little colder faster than a guy. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. But so I always pack layers. I've learned the hard way when you get out there and you don't have the right gear as far as layers and warmth, then I'm miserable. So when I have enough of the layers in the gear and then you can kind of handle any weather situation, you end up having a really good time and you're not so worried about, are my fingers cold? My feet are cold. So when it comes to gear, that's where I make sure I'm covered as far as warmth. And even if they say it's going to be like 65, I plan on it being like 45. You would have been an (laughs) unbelievable Boy Scout. The really? motto always being Over-prepared? be prepared. Oh, yes, yes. I probably, I don't know if I would have been able to pass that test where you had to make the fire from sticks. But <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's where we're headed. We decided that we we're going to go on a bucket list adventure. And I was, you know, we kind of were looking around and do we do the Alaska is so vast, of course. So we thought, do we do the Alaska cruise? And then that seems cushy and fun. Um, but what I was worried about with the Alaska cruise, not that it doesn't sound fabulous, you get to see a lot of Alaska, of course. But, you know, the excursions, when you've been on a lot of outdoor excursions, you like them to be unique and different and probably with less people, you know, versus um, more of a, I don't want to call it a canned excursion, but something that has a lot of people or, you know, just going into town looking at art or whatever. So I wanted to make sure that we were doing something just so kind of off the charts unique. And we decided that we wouldn't do the cruise and we were going to fly into Anchorage and we're going to climb a glacier or do some ice climbing on a glacier. And it's the Matanushka 
Glacier. Yep, the Matanushka Range. Yes. I think it's called, yes. Something like that. And this excursion uh, takes you out. So you have to get to the glacier via helicopter. And the helicopter drops, uh, will drop Dan and I off with one guide. And we are left to um, make it out. <laughs> but really, no, we're left to kind of use the glacier as a playground all day. So this guy, we can do some ice climbing. Um, apparently, we get to explore a lot of the glacier. And then we spend the night on the glacier. And it's a kind of a glamping experience, per se. Um, and they have the guide and they will, you know, they make, you know, appetizers and cocktails and a little dinner over campfire. And then they make you breakfast the next morning. Um, and then you take the helicopter back into town and, and your day is done. But um, it's just so unique to be able to sleep under the stars in such a vast, probably extremely quiet environment that I am looking forward to what that experience is like. Will you do me one favor? Yes, always. While you're there, like that famous survivalist guy on TV, you know, the one who sleeps in hotels at night. Yeah, exactly. That pretends that they're will frozen. You will you just call it a glacier? <laughs> is that <laughs> well, what he calls it? It's time for me to scale this glacier. Oh, boy. Yes, I will do that just for you, Bill. I'll take a video and send it. Thank I want to have self-service. You know, Dan, he... Um, he is very much an adventurous guy, and we love we love to go hiking and do all that stuff. But he did not grow up fishing and hunting per se. He's like he did a little bit of fishing with his grandpa, but his family was a sports family, so they were basketball and soccer and all those things. That's what he did growing up, and he's always game to do anything. But he, um, you know, I said we're, we it'd be fun to sleep on the glacier. He's like, yeah, let's do it. And the other night he was asking, I was like, oh, we have to remember to pack um, cell phone chargers, um, and. He was like, well, do you think they'll like have a generator or something out there? I mean, how are they going to keep the tent warm? <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's like, yeah, there's no heat in the tent. And he's like, what? You know, and I was like, oh, it'll be fine. They'd give you a ton of down blankets. But he hasn't had a like a winter camping experience. Yeah. And, um, and I, you know, I was saying that you probably get the best sleep you've ever had in your life because it's so good for you when the temperature is so cold, you know, mm -hmm. to, to sleep. So, um and he'll do great. So it'll, it should be a really fun time. I'm looking forward to it. So if you survive life on the glacier. Glacier, yes. And make it out alive, then what? Where do you go? Um, and then we are headed back down into Anchorage. And we um, might do a little bit of fly fishing. I'm not sure yet. We're actually going to, um, we're going white sturgeon fishing right before we leave for Alaska. So I'll be doing that this coming Monday uh, we're going on the Fraser River in British Columbia. Yep. So I that's also a bucket list thing to do. Um, white sturgeon are huge. You saw the story this week, right? Yes. I mean, like, massive. And they do conservation efforts there. And, of course, if you want your picture with a sturgeon, you can't take it out of the water. Um, so you hop in the water. And they're just like dinosaurs. I mean, they can live to be 100 years old. So I have this passion for chasing just giant fish catch and release. And, um, this guide up on the river is, has a lot of success. So I thought, you know what, it'd be fun. It's only two hours, two and a half hour drive, I should say, yep. um, from Seattle. So it's really easy just to zip over there and come back. And so we're going to do that little fishing excursion too. And by little fishing excursion, she means fish that are 12 feet long. Yes. 15 yeah, feet exactly. long. Exactly. Right? And you see these headlines every once in a while, massive fish caught. And I always joke about that. I've got a couple of buddies who do that. And it makes headlines because there happens to be somebody who writes 
and reports around. Yes. Like they catch those fish a lot. Every day. Yes. Every day that they do. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's great. I think they, they, of course, keep track if some of them are tagged or not tagged. And so they can keep track of how old they are and things like that. But um, I don't know if I'll be able to reel a fish that heavy in. I'm assuming I will, but we'll see. I don't know if my arms will get burnt out or what. Um, that happened with a muskie this past November. I almost like I was like a muscle failure. I mean, I almost didn't have any strength left. Pardon my French, but this is complete bullfish. <laughs> no, it's I will not. be no. What's oh. what's crappy about this is I will be here sitting on my word processor, what? working on Minnesota Bound. You'll be out traversing the planet, catching no. monsters. Aren't fish. you heading to the cabin? What are you doing for the fourth? This is like tradition for you guys. Well, there will be no white sturgeon. That's true. There won't be a glacier. I might get an ice cube to put in you get my a snow soda cone. pop. You can get a snow cone. Yeah, see, see, <laughs> snow cones for second place. So I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Uh, fly fishing. You said you're going to fly fish while you're there. Maybe. We're trying to set that up. The problem is it takes quite a while to drive down from the glacier. So we have only have a half day. Pardon, pardon you. Glacier. Glacier. Thank I'll you. get that right. Someday. Um, so where I'm not sure if we're going to do, if we'll have time to do fly fishing there or not. I would like to squeeze a little bit of fly fishing in, but um, we shortened our trip. We're only there for um, a few days. We're not there for a full week. So Dan's work is very intense. So we were able to get a short getaway away. But, but Good. Yeah. Good. What are you guys doing for the 4th? Uh, I don't know. We're going to go up to the cabin up in central Minnesota and hang out with family. And the Shirk boys and I will probably set the alarm for 4.50 a.m. each really? morning. Because it's getting to be that time of year. The boys hop up. They have a piece of grandma's breakfast bread. Uh. And then we run out onto the dock into the darkness, jump into the boat. And we've got a couple of spots on Gull Lake where they love to... Top water fish. Oh, that's the best. You know, you and I have been trying to do that for a long time, but um, so Gull Lake, 5 a.m. is when you guys start fishing? Yeah, about 10 after by the time they do their doodads and realize they've forgotten their life jackets. Oh, so I have yes. to run back up yep. and get all that stuff. And yeah, it's, your boys love top water fishing. They do. It's a wonderful time of year because the lake is very quiet at that point. Um, what's different this year, it seems like the last couple of summers, you get into that top water season and we're always dealing with the smoke from either oh, the western right. or the northern fires. So yep. it's this really weird landscape and that's not going on this year. So mornings and sunrise are going to look very different. They're going to look very normal. Awesome. That'll be great. I love top water bass fishing. It is, um, one of my favorite things to do. I prefer it more than walleye fishing or, you know, any, I love musky fishing, but topwater bass has got to be, you know, second to that. So. It's an acquired taste. Patience. And Takes a little bit more patience. Yeah. You have to know when, where, and how. And once you figure that out, like with Brady Shirk, who's now 13, the first probably year and a half, he didn't catch any fish and he got pretty disheartened and he wanted to give it up. Meanwhile, I'm catching, you know, five, eight, 10, 12 fish. That just makes him angry. Yep. But he finally figured it out. 
And so now he loves it. His little brother Bennett is in the same spot Brady was where he's not having much success because he doesn't quite have a few of the details figured out yet. But what do you think those details are? This is the well, you gotta come fishing with me and I'll show you. I know. Well, but I mean, but our busy. listeners can't. <laughs> can't leave them hanging. So there are a couple of tricks of the trade. First off, you're using a much bigger rod than you think you need. Oh, like really? We're throwing eight, eight and a half foot extra heavy rods, almost like musky type stuff with 80 pound braid. Okay. That's part of it, tying directly to the frog, because where we tend to hook those fish, very heavy weed cover, sometimes it's oh. emergent weeds, Yep. the kind of stuff that will break regular fishing line. So that's part of it is gearing up correctly. Wind for us is not so much a factor. You know, there are a lot of people who want topwater fishing only on glass calm water. And that's the visual part of it for people. But mm -hmm. really, um, when it's a little wavy and windy, it's actually very good because it creates more noise as the bait moves across the water. So I really like um, that part of it. But we have a window, right? The fish come in shallow to feed in that cover in low light hours. And often by 8 a.m., it's done. Those fish are starting to transition out to slightly deeper water, which is why I've loved the fires from the last couple of years because it creates a haze. Oh, so the dark. sun is not bright, and they tend to stay shallow Got a little it. bit longer. Well, what do you think the learning curve was for Brady and Bennett? The learning curve was being patient with the hook sets. Everyone thinks. They, I think I'm asking you that because I think I could learn from this mistake as well. So well, keep if going. You, <laughs> if you just show up. <laughs> I know. Well, your schedule, my schedule are like ships in the night. So we have a rule. The one, two, three. When the fish eats, it's a little bit like buck fever. Yes. When you're hunting, people get so excited and they go, oh my gosh. And they set the hook in the Frog goes flying. We use a lot of soft frogs. Terminator, which is one of Rapala's great brands. They have this popping frog that I just uh, love it. Love at first sight. <laughs> um, but you have to let the fish eat in your brain. Go, it ate. One, two, three. Now I set With the, the hook. hook. Because they don't grab it and then let it go. It's just not the way it works. Yeah. They are very... Um, good at taking those baits you just need to give them time to get it in they're not going to swallow it it's not going to be down deep in the you know you no know, i've made this mistake a lot of times i set that hook so fast yes. you know and then i was blaming the bass for missing it actually i was like you know maybe his eyesight wasn't so good i've come up with a roster of excuses on why i missed it as soon as you <laughs> teach yourself to do the old got it one, two, three, tight lines set. Okay. You That's get them. Good tip. The other thing people do is they don't set hard enough on those fish because uh, the hooks are a little different. Yeah, they from, are. You know, conventional troubles and all that, just the way they're in there. So you really have to give them the vinegar, as we say. Got it. And that's part of what having bigger, more stout, longer rod helps do, drive those hooks home. So Very true. Well, you, you taught me something today. I hope it helps you on the fridge. I do too. River. 
Is that the one? Yeah, the Fraser River. It might. I don't know. With the the sturgeon, we'll see. I um, my first experience with a sturgeon. I've not caught a sturgeon here in Minnesota at all. Um, actually, in fact, I've not been fishing for sturgeon here, so I sh- I should try that sometime. But I did have an experience with sturgeon. Um, this was a long time ago on a Minnesota Bound episode that it was at the Mall of America. And believe it or not, um, this has to be at least 12 years old at this point. We may have to dig this out of the the vault that's probably covered in dust at this point of this story. But they invited um, myself and, and our crew there to film kind of behind the scenes at the aquarium. And they said that um, they brought me down in there and like, well, here's the saltwater tank, which you know, this aquarium is still at the Mall of America. So they have the saltwater tank and of course there's sharks in that tank and they're friendly sharks, but they're like, we won't put you in that tank. We'll bring you over to the freshwater Minnesota fish. And so they're pointing out the sturgeon and they're about six feet long and they're black and there's probably like six or seven of them hanging out in the tank. And they said, well, if you want, um, you can feed them. And I thought, well, perfect that, you know, maybe it's like I drop in some goldfish flakes and there we go. And they're like, no, you have to put a wetsuit on and you get in the water to feed them. And I love adventure. So I'm like, sweet, let's do it. So I put on the wetsuit and get in the tank and you know, your heart starts to beat a little bit, even though I know they're harmless, they're just so big. And there's six of them and one of me in the tank and it's cold. Like the water was cold and he, they hand me a minnow bucket and they have a little snorkel thing. And they just said, go down and put your hand in the bucket and take out some food and just, put your arm out and they'll come and get it. And I was like, okay. And then the camera's rolling. I mean, you just don't say no to those things. You're like, of course. Um, so I grabbed the minnow bucket and I put on my goggles and snorkel and I dive down. I put my hand in the minnow bucket and I pull it out and I probably have, I don't know, 200 or 300 earthworms in my hand at this point. Neat. And I was like, oh, lovely. And so I put my hand out for the sturgeon and Um, what happens is surgeon kind of sees it and they come swimming up because they're sitting at the bottom. They'll come swim up and they, they don't eat one worm at a time. I'll just say that they inhale your hand. They take the whole hand. (laughs) They take your whole hand and then slurp. Yep. And all you have to do is yank your hand out real quick and you still have all five fingers. It's amazing. So that was my, that was actually, that's my one and only experience with a sturgeon was at the mall of America. So, and I'll never forget that. Uh, I wouldn't either. Yeah. So, um, you should try it sometime if you want. You know, you're out and about and you see a sturge in the river, just get some earthworms and give it a go. You've covered the story. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, everybody. Bill Shirk, the man about the woods. It's time to plan your fall hunt in North Dakota. Get this. With an estimated 3.4 million breeding ducks, North Dakota's central region is prime habitat for hunting waterfowl. In fact, right now, the state's breeding duck index sits 38% above the long-term average. And the water's up, too. The spring water index is up 616% over 2021. That's a good thing. Now, when you consider that North Dakota has approximately 700,000 acres of private land open to public walk-in hunting, guess what? You've got an outdoor oasis. For the latest information about public hunting lands and private land open to sportsmen and women, visit North Dakota Game and Fish Department. Bag your limit this fall in North Dakota. Visit legendarynd.com.
Reducing carbon emissions is good for everyone, but how do we reduce emissions while also meeting our world's increasing energy needs? Using propane is an excellent way to reduce emissions while meeting energy needs today. Propane is a clean, non-toxic energy source that helps reduce carbon emissions right now. In fact, propane's carbon intensity score in Minnesota is only 80. Grid electricity in Minnesota, including wind and solar, has a much higher carbon intensity score of 136. Who knew that using propane was much cleaner than electricity? Plus, the abundance of propane and growth of renewable propane means it can be used for generations to come. Millions of Americans rely on propane to heat their homes and businesses, fuel vehicles on-road and off, and much more, making propane the right energy right now. Find out more about what propane can do for you and the environment by going to propane.com. Totally random thought here, but the one sturgeon story that we have not documented that I am dying to get. The sturgeon researchers from the Department of Natural Resources in Minnesota. Any idea how they capture those fish to do their spring studies? I have no idea, but it's got to be extremely unique. It is very unique. In the spring, you know, there's this season, right? up on Rainy River and areas like that, and the fish come in, they literally go to the river, stand on the edge of the river, and wait. And then a six-foot sturgeon swims by, and they jump in and grab and wrestle the sturgeon. They tackle it. They try to. It is cold, it is wet, it is muddy, and they say it is the only way they can effectively capture these massive creatures to do the research. Isn't that interesting? That's like the noodling. Have you ever tried noodling? Yeah. No, you haven't. Are you serious? Awful. You you have? Where'd you try noodling? Dumbest thing. Yeah, I think it's not very bright either, but where did you do this? <laughs> we did it down south. It might have been for one of the ATV magazine really? shows that we used to do. But it just Where is that footage? I want to see it. Uh, Buried in the vault with my sturgeon footage. <laughs> I think that one got ruined. It's, it's fine. People noodle and they do their thing and they've I would got never. the tours, but Are you why would you hop in a swamp and put your arm down a hole? Where you can't, I mean, there's like snakes in some of that water, everything else, and you're just randomly putting your hand around until something launches and latches onto it. They have their spots and the mud on the edges. They've got the old tree stumps that are hollowed out, and it's it's folklore. It's totally what they do. I mean, I'm sorry, but the best noodlers are sitting at a table right now going, why would you go to the top of a glacier, I think That's they're so called, true. and sleep on the ice, you know? Everybody's got their thing. I, it, I'm not a noodler. I'm I, I'm not interested in doing it ever again. And but I have to say, though, I do watch, I do enjoy watching a good noodling video, though, when there's like somebody is totally struggling getting that. It's catfish, isn't it, what they're noodling for? Yeah. yeah. Noodling tour. I think we need to get you on a noodling tour. Well, now that I have my sturgeon experience, I mean, I can't be much different. They don't have teeth, so I'm, we, I'm okay. <laughs> we even, I turned down a noodling story a couple of years ago. I don't know if you know this or not, but your father, Ron, had said, He's hey. Like, Bill will do this. Bill will do this, exactly. Mikey eats anything. He likes it. <laughs> he wanted to send me to Nebraska 
because they noodle down there. But here's how they get to those fish. They get on the river, wherever it is. And you know those metal kind of like long rectangular shaped stainless steel or whatever tin bins that they use on farms for animals to drink out of? Yeah, big troughs. They use those almost like pseudo canoes to float down the river to their noodling spots. No way. That's epic. So how do you, I mean, how are you, did they put something on it to make it buoyant? I said no to the assignment, Laura. I know. So... (laughs) I mean, I how might, did you say no to that one? I might bring that one back to life. Then you're going to suggest I do hey, it. La, yeah. I have a really cool story Let's for send you. Travis down there for that one. He'd love it. <laughs> <laughs> Travis isn't in here to defend himself either. It's not a Travis story. It's a Laura story. Oh, well, I guess. I'll just put on my mesh gloves. Can we talk about something different? The noodling? The noodling. Yes. <laughs> well, catfish are pretty good to eat. Do you like yeah. catfish? What's your favorite fish to eat? I've never asked you that. Oh, man. Uh, that's a good question. I like wild salmon. I do, too. Uh, obviously, I love walleyes. I like crappies. You know, um, I like brook trout. I don't eat that many of them, but they're very, very sweet. Yeah. I'm trying to think what else. Lake trout. I like lake trout probably because of the tradition everything around catching them and how and where and you know we smoke lake trout have you ever smoked a lake trout i haven't i've had smoked lake trout but i have not smoked one myself you should try it sometime i bet it's really good it is but the tough part is figuring out which end you light why let's move on (laughs) Are you ready to go to Alaska yet? <laughs> I totally am. You know what? You think I the thin air is really going to affect me there So versus here? Um, <laughs> uh, I'm just playing. Um, I just like all kinds of fish. It, but, like, my diet is very different from yours. Is right? it? Well, it is. Um, the boys even asked the other day, when we lived in California back in the late 70s, we'd eat shark steaks. Like that was a normal thing. And I've never had a shark steak. You don't hear about people At all. eating that anymore. So no. I don't know. I had, um, going back to sturgeon, uh, not to bring it back there, but I had sturgeon one time. Oh, I think I've tried it twice now. I am not a fan of eating sturgeon. I've had it at two wonderful restaurants and both times I did not like the flavor profile of sturgeon. At I was going to say, there's a reason Jello doesn't have sturgeon flavor. Yeah. It's just, doesn't work it doesn't work no it's a is it unfair to compare it to lutefisk a little bit I, you know i think well lutefisk because they brine it in that whatever they brine it is that salt solution they're brining it in uh, whatever the it white is. powder uh, is scary um i think that's like brings back childhood nightmares for a lot of people if you grew up in any scandinavian household have you had lutefisk yes and now that I'm an adult, I will never have it again. <laughs> now that I can make my own choices. So um, that's what are your choices in fish? I too, I'm a big fan of wild caught salmon. Um, one of my favorites was uh, when we caught it on Lake Michigan, of all places. We were doing some salmon fishing there and we drove home and I made it that night. I love doing that, like with either wild turkey, 
like having food that was harvested that morning and never freezing it and cooking it. Um, to me, it's for some reason it just tastes a lot better, but that was really good that day when it was so freshly caught. Um, so I love, yeah, salmon is really good. I like walleye. Um, halibut is a big fan of halibut, you know, ocean fish. You can't really beat. There's a lot of ocean fish. That's pretty good. Um, but yeah, I would say salmon, halibut and walleye are probably my top top tier. I did, I've cooked up some swordfish fillets before. I do a lot of cooking at home. So as right. um, much as I do some fun recipes for the show, I do a ton of cooking at home. So I love experimenting with, um, trying new things. And I'll ask when I'm at the, if I'm at the grocery store or whatever, if it's not wild caught, I'll ask, um, flavor profiles of fish and try new ones that I've not tried before just to try it. I've had some disasters, but, um, but I like experimenting and trying new things. So that would probably be my top profile as well. Well, as soon as you invite me over for dinner to try one of these amazing meals, I'll invite you out for Topwater Bass. Topwater sure. Bass. Well, that will work. We could do We've uh, only Dan known and... each other for two decades. It's been 20 years now, hasn't it? I know. You're my homie. I appreciate it. I know. It's been a, it's been a good run, Bill, I have to tell you. Um, so I recently posted... Um, something on social media and we posted on Minnesota bound page as well. And we were asking people to, um, let us know it was for a Coors giveaway and the contest is over. So, um, can't enter in right now, but we were asking people to share their favorite lakes and the responses that we got. I was, I read all of them and because I was enjoying hearing everybody's sweet and fun memories that they've had from either with grandparents or kids or why they love that lake so much. And it was just like a, I don't know. I was just having like a proud moment of Minnesotans that there, everybody has a certain lake that they love and they're so proud of that lake and they care about the lake and they have all these precious memories there that have gone on generation after generation. Um, so it was really fun to read through all of those and just some really endearing uh, memories that they were posting. So do you, have a favorite lake. Of course I do. Which one? Gull Lake. Bar none. Right? Yes. We, uh, so most people know this. I was born in Canada. Not on a glacier. but Well, that's unfortunate. In a city. Yes. They have those up there. <laughs> and <laughs> we moved down to Minnesota in the 70s. And my parents wanted a place in the woods. Because the Shirk family had a cabin on the Ottawa River little French logging town called Fort Collange. And that's how my dad grew up in the woods. So he wanted something like that here. And in the 70s, Gull Lake was that spot. It sure was. It was epic in the 70s, too. It's, Paul Bunyan Land, you must have spent time there. So I was, small world, I was in the ice rink last night talking with my good friend John Schwingler about Paul Bunyan Land because a buddy of his, the dad started it and... Yes, that was iconic. That was my marker because back in the day, driving from Minneapolis to Brainerd, which now takes me two hours and 10 minutes door to door to get from the house to the cabin. But back in the day, that was a road trip. That was leaving the city to go to the woods. And the marker was Paul Bunyan. This, you know, statuesque, I don't know how tall he was. He's huge. You know. Well, the best part is, I don't know if they still do this. Is that park still open? It is, isn't it? It is not in Brainerd. It's now, you know, bowling alleys and fleet farms and Kohl's yes. shopping centers, which, pardon me, sucks. Yeah. But 
They picked everything up and they moved it to the east about halfway towards Mille Lacs Lake. So out in the country is Paul Bunyan. Paul Bunyan's still there. So does he still talk to you? Because you remember when we'd visit in the <laughs> 80s, 70s and 80s, and somehow miraculously they knew your name and yep. be like, Laura, yep. Blue Ox says hello or whatever. Yep. So, so my sister's <laughs> name, a funny story about that, my sister's name is also Laura. And I can remember going one time and Paul Bunyan was like, hey, Laura. Nice legs. Oh, no. <laughs> he was inappropriate? Well, I what? won't give away the secret, but there is a little, like, uh, what do you call it? Like an outhouse-looking little cabin shack thing. Yes. You know, and there's, like, some 14-year-old kid with a Radio Shack headset, you know. Classic. Whose voice Just gets translated. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, did you get to know this person in the back booth? Were you like feeding him things to say to your sister? No, or no, no, he just not was at all. saying we'd, that. That is so funny. We'd pull in, you know. I wanted to go and ride the little <laughs> choo-choo train, and the fourteen-year-old's like, trying to pick up my sister. That's right? classic. Oh gosh, great uh. memories. Um, you know, the other thing about Ball Bunyan Land that was so amazing to me. Speaking of Gull Lake, they used to give helicopter rides. Yes, I remember that. And it was like the MASH helicopter, you yes. know, the glass bubble in front. Yep. And the guys who flew those, there were two pilots, as I remember, and they had two helicopters, and they were just doing these rotations. They'd go out over Steamboat Bay, which was on the southern part of Gull Lake, and I'm a little kid. Like, that's my boundary. I can't leave Steamboat Bay. It's got to be where my parents can see me, and I'm in this little 12-foot aluminum boat, but these helicopters would buzz over and it was the coolest thing and then you'd go back towards town for dinner or something like that and you'd watch these helicopters and they'd dive out of the sky i mean they'd have people and literally go nose straight down towards <laughs> earth and they'd hit the brakes 20 feet above and flatten out and land and you know those were like the good old days it would i mean be what so happened illegal. to those helicopter rides <laughs> well they all crashed probably so they're gone but, yeah, they're just great <laughs> memories. And that was Paul Bunyan land, man. So did you go to um, Camp Confidence that was there at um, – Well, that- I wasn't – no, I I wasn't a um, visitor to Camp Confidence. Yes. But, but, but you were familiar with the actual event because that was a oh, huge event to oh, raise money for Camp Confidence. I get to get on my soapbox right now. I love – well, my you know, my dad used to participate as a fishing guide. So Camp yes. Com- so. Camp Confidence, um, the fundraiser was held at, is it Craigans? Yeah. Craigans, okay. Maddens, it's been all over the place. Yes. yes. And um, it used to be this, do they still have it, the event? One thing at a time. Okay, we'll okay, get to okay. That. Tell your story. I'll tell my story. So, Camp Confidence event was this huge, like, trifecta event. They had a golf tournament going on, a fishing tournament going on, and did they also have tennis tournament? I believe they did. They might have back in the day. Okay, back in the day, it was... Back when tennis balls came in metal cans that you cracked open. And I go, know, the <laughs> sound. It was like the best ever. Um, so they, all three of these tournaments were happening all at the same weekend. And uh, Craigans, which one, I'm getting these two, I always get Craigans and Madden's mixed up. Um, which one has like the big lodge that, that has the big staircase going up from the lake? Uh, Madden's, you're thinking. Is it Madden's? Yeah. Okay. So Madden's Resort, and you're probably not going to relate this like I do, really reminded me of the movie Dirty Dancing because it had that same lodge. Do you remember that lodge in Dirty Dancing? Bill? And I was your Patrick Swayze, and you never said hi. 
Hey, I'm really picky when it comes to my drinking water, and I have the reverse osmosis drinking water system from Connecticut, and I love it. It takes out contaminants in the water, it removes chlorine, and most important, it tastes great, which is the one thing I'm probably most picky on is how does my water taste. So having Connecticut also means that I use less plastic water bottles, which we all know is a definite bonus for our environment. For more information, visit Connecticut.com to find a dealer near you. Hi there, Ron Shera here for Star Bank. If you're putting your money into mega banks down the street, who knows where that money's being used? Bank locally. Keep your money local with a community bank that actually cares about you, your family, your business, and your goals. Check out the bank we use at Minnesota Bound. Try Minnesota's own Star Bank. You can find them online at starbank.net. When you call Star Bank, you actually hear a real living person answering the phone. Star Bank has 10 convenient locations around Minnesota to serve you and all the mobile banking products that you need to manage your money. Check out all that Star Bank has to offer at starbank.net. Hewitt Docks, Lifts, and Pontoon Legs began in a small south-central Minnesota town with a mission to make dock install and removal easier by inventing the Rolla Dock. Well, now the company has evolved to provide everything you might need to improve your lake time. In addition to the classic Rolla Dock or the new Ultra Dock system, Hewitt offers all-terrain staircases, gangways, canopies, and lifts, along with any accessory you might need. Celebrate 50 years of business with us. Go to HewittRad.com to enter for a chance to win a free dock and monthly prizes. Hewitt Docks, lifts, and pontoon legs. Work hard, play harder. You deserve a Hewitt. So when I was young and my sister, my dad would take my sister and I to the Camp Confidence event. And he would be fishing all day long. So they had all these professional guides, per se, that would take people out to raise money for Camp Confidence, and it would be a fishing tournament. And they're doing the same thing with professional golfers, and they'd have you know athletes up there participating and doing the whole deal. Well, my sister and I were little rugrats, and we were just sent loose to run around all day. And um, it was always so much fun because the people that worked at Madden's were from all over the world. So you were meeting, and they're like young these cute guys are like in their early twenties. They're in from Sweden and Norway and all the things. And, um, of course my sister and I were like, I don't know, 13 and she was 16 or whatever. And we would end up like chatting with these super cute waiters, um, that were working there. And my dad's just out fishing and we were just having like a heyday because we thought there's so many cute boys everywhere. Yep. <laughs> that's what, that's what, those massive resorts were about. Yes. Right? And I don't know if they still employ people from all over the all over the globe, but that was like the coolest thing. All over the place. So yes, that fishing tournament still exists. My history with it, I was in my little twelve foot aluminum boat with my three horsepower nineteen fifty eight Evan route on the back. True story. And I was chasing all these famous guys around. Back then, it was Marv Kep and yeah. Al Linder I remember and Al being there. the Nisswag Guide Crew. And I knew who they were. And as a kid, all I wanted to do was follow and watch. But I had to do it in very small bursts because, you know, I'd be trickling across the lake in my little... You're like stalking Peon people at that boat. point. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and they're, and they're bigger, fancier boats, so I could never keep up of with course. them. And, but that's how I tried to learn. And I'd watch those guys during that tournament, and they 
it was always larger than life to me. I bet. Move ahead a few years. Now, I guess in some way, I'm that guy. Yes, Because you I've are. been a guide there for, I don't know how many years, 15, 20 years, something like that. And that event was just two weeks ago. And I was looking for a picture here on my phone. I love that they still do it. Da, 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 da. I'll just start with this one. You can paint a picture. I'm showing you a picture from my phone. What do you see? That is a Northern Pike. Yes, with two boys. Your high, sons are holding them. High-fiving. And so um, every year my parents pay for them to be my partners in the boat, um, which is Super cool for oh, me. Oh, that's cool. So we just kind of go fishing. I was going to try to find another picture here for you. But anyhow, we did quite well. Awesome. Um, we got a lot of really big pike. Um, and the way that tournament is. Is that a mixed bag tournament? Yeah. So that tournament is set up. There are three categories, four categories. There's a pike. There's a bass tournament. There's a walleye tournament. And then there's a mixed bag tournament. Which okay. means you must have one walleye, one bass, one pike. Um, but what is fun about it is you don't have to declare in the morning. You just go out and fish and see how the day unfolds. So we go out to our bet, one of my best walleye spots, and the walleyes are gone. But it's big pike, big pike, big pike, big pike. So nice. now we're like, oh, well, we're going to enter the pike category today. That's kind of cool. And then we catch a big walleye. You go, oh, well, geez, if we could catch it, and then we catch a decent bass. Ooh, decisions. Now it's a game of decisions. Yeah. So the little shirk boys are in the boat all nervous about, oh, what should we do? And, oh, my gosh, we saw Tony Roach, who's the yeah. best walleye oh, yeah. angler on the Watch planet. Watch out for Tony. He's he posted guys, an you know. eight-pound walleye, so there's no way we can do walleye and... Kind of Do like, we go on social media to see what other people are posting? No, but that would be actually super strategic. But <laughs> they use, you know, an online reporting system oh, now. It's a catch and release it. tournament. Okay. So everything's going in digitally. So for the first part of the tournament, you can see what the other teams are doing and where you stack nice. up. Yep. And then with two hours left, they shut it down. It goes black, it goes dark, so you don't know. That's when the nerves kick in. So these little blondies are in the boat, like, freaking out about, should we go well, there's got to be, like, certain there? stats on that. You needed to put it into some sort of algorithm. And, and I love to just sit back and go, guys, this is your decision. And <laughs> so we came back and. What'd you do? Mixed bag? And, no, they ended up uh, doing the pike. Nice. Category. Love it. And did quite well. Awesome. I think they ended up winning the pike category by eight or nine pounds. Really? Which, which That's like unheard of. Was no one wanted to play in the pike category or what? That's you, insane. No, they just caught that many big fish. And you know me better than most people. I could give a hoot about competitive fishing. Yeah. In fact, I don't like it that much. That's not why I fish. Yeah. It's not me against you. It's it's Without having a good sunrise. Yes. Yeah. The smoky haze, it's the fun of people, you know, like, that's not why I fish. But anyhow, it was just really, really fun. And they started announcing. It was great because the boys got called up on stage and they said, you know, they're showing the pictures of these monster pike. And they're like, how did that happen? 
Nice. Ben looks at him and says, well, why do you need to know? Like, you know, they're asking for his secrets. And it was pretty funny <laughs> to see this little 11-year-old chirp. So anyhow, there you go. No That's- one gives up their secrets. We know that from the crappie contest. I mean, you ask anybody where they're fishing and everybody has a some sort of smart answer they're going to give back. It's pretty funny. The boys were lucky enough to do well last year. They've got some plaques around and all that. Nice. So anyhow, the point is... The Shirk Boys have been very fortunate, and the whole point of that tournament is it's a fundraiser for Confidence Learning Center, which is an unbelievable camp um, up in the Brainerd Lakes area that gets thousands upon thousands of kids and adults with disabilities outdoors. Yep. And what I do, I always tell people, all right, you came and you helped guide for the fundraiser. That's awesome. You are appreciated for that big time. But to truly understand and see the money go full circle, you need to come back for Fishing Has No Boundaries, which is an August event up there where we take kids from the camp and young adults out for a day of fishing. And you get to see how the money is spent. Yeah. Because because you're paying for those campers to go and not have to pay. Yeah. So you take these people out. And you help them catch fish. And I always let all my guests drive the boat and just do circles out in the middle of the lake and do whatever the heck. Because those are sensations that can't be repeated anyplace else. Of course. And we are very lucky to have the resources we have and the boats and the gear and la, la, la. That's my obligation to share it. And that's the moment. And the Shirk Boys come now and they guide as part of that. They're the Net Boys and all that. And it's awesome it's amazing it's the thing that brings me to tears yeah it's pretty cool that um and the fact that camp confidence has been around i mean i was there literally when i was i don't know six i mean it has been i don't know how many years it's been it has been like 50 this camp has been going on for at least 50 years wait wait let's do the math where's my advocate (laughs) that's not even accurate math because the i mean that camp could have been around way before i even was on this planet so Never, um, never again. Every week, somebody walks up to me. So, how old is Laura? What's her age? Does it really? Add? That's good. Keep them guessing. You know you what know I, I say, say to them? She's old enough to know better. That's what I always tell people. I'm old enough to know better. I have one line. <laughs> what is say. it? She's ancient. Hey, That's what she is. Don't ask. I would never kiss and tell. And they all go. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> And then they forget about now you. Now you're just and spreading ask, rumors. No, and then they start asking about Raven. Forget about, but yeah. I know. I mean, that is good. That's always that a good is, sidebar. Get him, a, get him going on Raven, and then you're good. Because that that's what is my about. life. You don't know that. I didn't know that you went to pick up young Swedish hunks at Madden's. Well, this were, is when I was but, like 10 and 12. My dad doesn't even know I was doing that. I was like, these boys are so cute. And I was, you know, chasing oh them around Madden's up and down those stairs. Like, I was dirty dancing. I was kind of hoping I was going to meet my like little Patrick Swayze. That never happened, but you know, it was fun to chase him around no, for an cause afternoon. Because I, I was out in a twelve foot aluminum boat with a three horse yeah. power motor, <laughs> acting like I was lost. <laughs> with binoculars, you're like stalking all those guides. So Madden's is a massive complex on Gull Lake. It's a huge, beautiful, and right next to it is Craigens, another massive, you know, Minnesota resort. But what most folks don't know is way back in the day, Craigens was actually three different resorts. So when I was a little kid, the big buildings, that was Craigens. There were some cabins on the hill in the White Pines. That was a little family resort called Chronicles. 
which is where we started yeah. going. And then down below that, the place with the pools and the cabins right on the beach, that was known as Island View. You went to Madden's. I'd always find a friend, and we'd go down to Island View to the outdoor pools oh, to try and find cute girls. <laughs> which, unbeknownst to me at the time, there's a big fancy house just south past Island View. That was the Lindner's house. So Billy Lindner, another famous angler and journalist in this industry, he was coming from the house to Island View's pools to pick up the girls, too. So he was like our competition. No. And we just laughed <laughs> so hard about that stuff, right? It, That's awesome. I never did get to see Patrick Swayze. I know. I never did either. I'm telling you, I never found him at Craigans, but... Who was you the know. cute girl on Dirty Dancing? What was her name? Uh, Jennifer Garner. Was it? Gray. Oh, Gray. Thank Jennifer you. Jennifer Gray. I'm not good at the actors and actresses' names. I've always Jennifer messed Gray. it up. Yeah. Yeah, Jennifer Gray. Yes. Yeah, never saw her. Didn't? In fact, I never got a date. Did you at least you. try the dance Ever. move with some gal you met at the pool where you kind of lift them up and no, do that I'd whole? No, I'd go down to the beach and I'd get a bucket of sand and i put some water on it and start craft, sand castles and crafting stuff. it like I was making a pot <laughs> and everyone thought I was weird. <laughs> you know, it's good to be weird. I always just say stay weird. I mean, that's what makes people unique, right? Crazy. All right, well. Go home and pack. I'm going to go home and pack. You know, I actually, where I first went ice climbing was here in Minnesota. Do you know, did you know that you can ice climb here in Minnesota in Sandstone, Minnesota? I'm sure you do. Um, but if you want to test out ice climbing without going to Alaska, I just want our listeners to know of this hidden little secret, which may not be a secret anymore, but there is an ice climbing wall that they specifically build for ice climbing in the winter. And there's a company there called Hardwater Sports that Tony is the owner. Um, Scout, his dog, is adorable. And he will take you out on an ice climbing tour. And literally, I, I don't know, I don't know the total age range of anybody that can do it, but it's quite, um, it's not necessarily easy to do, but really anybody can do it. It's very safe and it's a great way to start ice climbing. And I actually find ice climbing to be much easier than rock climbing. Um, I tried that once and that's pretty challenging. But anyway, that's where I originally got the taste of ice climbing was right here in Minnesota. So now I'm just going to take it to a whole nother level and pray that I'm harnessed in and the ice doesn't crack and I fall down a crevice. Well, I won't be there, so you'll be <laughs> safe. If I was walking on the You'd ice, I'd be cracking. <laughs> Go have a All great right. trip. Thank you. Well, let's chat about it when, we, when I get back and... The adventure, I will be taking, of course, lots of pictures and Good. hanging out around a, a campfire. So we'll see how it goes. But I hope you guys have a nice 4th of July holiday. I you bet do the same. Travel safely. Cherished Gull Lake. It is a special place. It's very popular now, of course, but a lot of good memories there for sure. Well, that about does it for the Minnesota Bound podcast. The stories behind the stories. Presented by Connecticut Water Treatment Systems. The Shirk family uses Connecticut, and you should too. Also, we'd like to thank the Minnesota Historical Society, Oreo and Ritz, Hewitt Docks, Star Bank, the bank we use at Ron Shara Productions, the Minnesota Propane Association, and bag your limit this fall in North Dakota. Visit LegendaryND.com to plan your visit. Until next week, don't forget to introduce a kid to the great outdoors. Mm -hmm.